Welcome everyone to episode zero of the podcast. This being the pilot episode, let me get the intros out of the way. I'm G. It's not my real name, but that's what they call me. Uh, with me is Justin, the great Justin, and the effervescent Peter. Justin, how are you tonight? Well, <clears throat> some might say that I'm living the dream. <laughs> just, just thrilled to be here. Um, you know, it's been what three, four weeks in the making that we've talked about trying to get together and, and do this thing. So, pretty, pretty excited. Very some exciting. might say that this whole thing is very pog. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. How about you, Peter? Well, you know, besides being absolutely terrified of uh, potential uh, Martian invasion at any moment, I'm doing all right. I'm feeling pretty good, you know. Excellent. So, all right. So, what are we doing here? Um, well, the three of us just, you know, decided we would like to sit around and just BS about stuff. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to basically. Gonna basically turn our party chats on video games into a podcast. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So there's two main things we're going to do. Uh, one is uh, we're going to recap a movie that fits inside the patented Justin IMDb wheelhouse, which we'll explain when we get to that part of the show. And then the second thing is uh, we're going to pick a Reddit thread to essentially dump on the comments of uh, usually stupid uh, posts that per pervade the internet, uh, of which there are many. Um, so yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. Anything, guys, at the top before we jump right in? Oh man, let's do it. Peter? Ready for the Martians. <laughs> Alright, All right, so let's talk, let's, let's talk about the wheelhouse. So Justin, explain the IMDB wheelhouse concept. Okay, <clears throat> it's, it, it is admittedly an imperfect system, but... It has served me well up to this point. So the concept of the wheelhouse is really to help me avoid movies that I'm probably not going to like. It is not to make sure that I only watch movies that I am going to like. That's a really important distinction. And it's really simple. If a movie has an IMDb score of between 5.5 and 8.0, it's in the wheelhouse, right? And again, it's less about what's in the wheelhouse because it's not a guarantee. That's like most movies are 5.5 to 8.0, right? Mm. So it's not a guarantee I'm going to like it. It's more the things that are outside the wheelhouse. Those are the things you really got to watch out for, right? So for instance, you know, usually speaking, if it wins an Oscar, I'm probably not going to like it, right? Because <laughs> I am idiot America. Like my favorite movie in the world is Dumb and Dumber. And so, like, high great cinema movie. is kind of lost on me. <laughs> and so, Wheelhouse is a great way for me to edit some things out. Now, right about now, a bunch of people are sitting around, and they're like, oh, you, just, you didn't like Return of the King? <laughs> <laughs> I'm those people. <laughs> I, look, I loved Return of the King. I say it's an imperfect system. The deal is, if it's outside the Wheelhouse, it's unlikely, not impossible, but unlikely that I'm going to like that movie. So... <clears throat> 5.5 to 8.0 is in the wheelhouse. Anything outside of there, unlikely I'm going to like it. But every now and then, miracles happen. So that, yep. that's the concept. So, so Justin having this unique system of which none of us partake in, uh, we felt it would be a good opportunity. Uh, speaking personally, I probably just watch what's mostly out there. I don't really branch out. Um, just watch what's popular. So I'm I'm representative I'm the representative of just the normal viewing experience, and Peter 
is, well, Peter. <laughs> Peter has his own opinions. <laughs> oh, yeah, <baby. laughs> All right, uh, so Peter, you're the one who recommended this movie, right? Oh, yeah. So Yeah, so, so Mars Attack is this 1996 um, just A-list star-studded, phenomenal, uh, perfect example of the 5.0 to, you know, 8.0 system. And uh, Mars Attacks, it's a movie about something I think all of us really, deep down, are, you know, lose sleep over. And that's the constant threat that little green guys from Mars just show up at our door and start acting up, you know? I do not lose sleep over this. <laughs> just me. Okay. That's all right, though. It's possible it's just you. For anyone who's, you know, wondering, it is in the wheelhouse, Mars Attacks. It is 6.4. Solid lower end. Yeah. But it's in there. It's in there. Now, the reminder doesn't necessarily mean that I'm guaranteed to like it if it's in there. Just uh -uh. It's, a, it's a frame of reference. Well, and that, that begs the question, um, what were your guys' initial sort of feelings before you even started watching the movie? Just reading the name Mars Attacks, looking at the cover art, like what was going through your head? So my initial, and then I'll, I'll let G go, my initial feeling, I know this movie, I've heard about it, I have never seen it before, which is weird. Like, and I feel a little strange admitting that I'd never seen it before. And that was kind of the thing for me. I was like, well, okay, well, this is a bit of a cult classic I'm a little surprised I've never seen it before. So I was super looking forward to it, right? I've not avoided it. I just never got around to watching it. And so I had reasonably high expectations, right? It's like got a cult following. It's right in the wheelhouse. It's got every celebrity under the sun, Tim Burton movie. I like a good Tim Burton movie. So yeah, I was pretty, pretty excited. Jamie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know what to think. Uh, I didn't read the synopsis because I didn't want to, uh, you know, have any prior knowledge of it. I didn't know about this movie at all. Um, it pretty much, if it was made in the mid to early nineties, I probably didn't see it. Uh, especially if it was for, uh, you know, targeted towards adults. Um, so yeah, I didn't know what to think. And it was, it was especially weird for me because I watched it on a, uh, Saturday morning just because I thought we were recording that that afternoon, and I like never watched. It was weird because I never watched movies like just randomly in the morning, and all my kids were like, I shut my my office door, and all my kids and my wife they're all outside just doing what they normally do on a Saturday morning, and I'm watching a movie. <laughs> Can I just say, by the way, that whole little thing that you did about if it was a '90s movie targeted at adults, I've never seen it. I I'm cataloging as a personal attack. <laughs> It wasn't personal attack. It's just like, like for example, um, I mean, I haven't seen a lot. Of, like, okay, Forrest Gump. When was that made? It was made in the nineties, right? Yeah, I mean, that's not a movie, but probably the nineties, right? Like, I haven't seen it. Never seen Forrest Gump. I've never seen Forrest Gump. I'm telling, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's just, By the way, Forrest Gump was made in 1994. Yeah. It is out of the wheelhouse, 8.8. Uh, well, I may never see it because it's not in the wheelhouse. <laughs> anyway, so going into it, didn't know what to think. I initially wasn't sure. And I've also important to note, I've never seen a Tim Burton movie. Um, I know, but I've heard of Tim. I had heard of Tim Burton, but I've actually never seen from start to finish one of his movies. Um, so initially... Wow. 
initially, I wasn't sure if this was a movie that was supposed to be taken seriously or not. That's, that's what I was trying to figure out in the first 30 minutes. Um, I have in my notes, I wrote, like, I, I'm trying to remember which scene it was that, that let me know. Um, but I wrote, like, I can't tell if this movie is supposed to be taken seriously or not. And then, like, literally, like, five minutes later, it was like, definitely not. <laughs> wow. I don't know. You've never well, seen, like, you've never seen, what, like, Edward Scissorhands is one of his movies, I think. Never seen it. Never, never seen it. Nope. Wow. That's impressive. I mean, can I just say for one quick second? What? What? Why didn't you think Mars Attacks wasn't going to be a serious movie? No, I wasn't sure. Is it just but, okay? Uh, it, guy it, on the cover, you know? I didn't. Like, I didn't even look at the cover. But like, it rolling into it, it's like, what kind of town name is Lockjaw? Like, who names the town Lockjaw? That was my money. What's that? It was at this moment that I knew that the time, uh, town was named Lockjaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't know that either. I'm, I'm a big fan of this movie. So, oh, man. You know, the more you learn. All right. Okay. So, all right. But let. So, okay. So that those are the the, the quick hitters. But let, let's get the let's get the feedback. Like, so Peter, do you you actually you like this movie? Yeah, I mean, listen, this, you know, the wheelhouse is right up my alley because I absolutely enjoy mediocrity, right? I think there's something beautiful about averageness. That makes and me feel so, good. And so, you know, Mars Attacks, like, is this weird blend where, you know, Star Trek cast, Jack Nicholson, Pierce Brosnan, Sarah Jessica Jack Parker. Jack Nicholson was in this movie? Michael J. Fox. Oh, yeah. Jack Nicholson was the president. Oh, yeah, okay. two different roles. He's two different guys in the movie. And, wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. What's the other role? Yeah, is, he, is he an alien? Wait, did you guys miss out on his other role? Yeah. I, I must have. What okay, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for when we get to that part. I'm going to keep that as a little, you know, <laughs> surprise you, you know, because that's, that's one of the more funny parts of, uh, I missed it. You know, one of the secondary storylines is like, oh my there's God, more than one storyline. Oh yeah. He's really into this movie. Man. As soon as Peter. It's just something that, go ahead. No, no, please. It's just something that, you know, I care deeply about. Mars <laughs> invading Earth. It's like, what would that look like? I now and This movie captures that. I now realize mm -hmm. that when when our first movie that we were going to watch fell through, Peter probably very quickly Googled the IMDb score of Mars Attacks. Like, he didn't even have to think about it. He already knew that was the movie he was going to suggest. So, I mean, obviously we'll get into it, but do you think that this is how it would go if Mars were to attack? <laughs> Peter. Um, well, I mean, that's that's. I think that's a great point. Like, let's uh, let's dive into what exactly happens Occurs. in the movie and how Mars attack transpires. Yeah. So uh, we start off with uh, you know the president of the United States, um, you know, amazingly played by Jack Nicholson. Uh, he he gets this sort of notification from you know his top researchers. They show him a bunch of pictures of these spacecraft in space that are coming from the planet Mars. Spacecraft. And, space. You know, classic White House scenario. Everybody's like, what do we do? And everyone looks at the president. And the president's like, I don't know what to do. And so he asks his general. And the general's like, I want to nuke the hell out of them. <laughs> and he's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe. Hold on. And then he asks. Just before you go any further, 
as you said, it, you know, it kind of starts off with Nicholson being informed, which totally yes. <clears throat> but the very first scene of the movie, so I knew what to expect, unlike G, I knew what to expect coming into this thing. Uh, the very first scene of the movie, though, was like, if that had been right out of a horror movie, would have been like one of the greatest setups to a horror movie ever. It's like these people just kind of chilling on their farm, right? They're doing their thing. And all of a sudden, a herd of cattle that's on, on fire. fire goes running past them. Like, sure, that was funny. But at the same time, if that's how any, I don't care what it was, any horror movie in the world started that way, it would be the greatest tee-up to a horror movie in the history. Yeah, and, and see, that's where that's where I was coming from. Because another thing, I don't think I've seen an actual horror film. But if I were to imagine how one head would start, this would be along the same lines. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I kind of forgot about that part because <laughs> that was arguably one of the most normal parts of the movie. <laughs> like, just a bunch of cattle screaming on fire. Like, you kind of forget about that and all the other crazy shit that happens. I've watched a lot of horror movies in my day. And let me tell you, like, when that started, I was like, Hold on, am I watching the right movie? Just <laughs> make sure. Because it is a great, it would have been a great TF for her movie. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. And so Nicholson wants to, you know, his advisors want to nuke him, blah, blah, blah. And listen, it, I, don't blame, I don't blame Nicholson for not listening to the general who doesn't take his sunglasses off indoors. Like, I don't blame him. Well, I feel like that's like an iconic part of generals, right? They got to keep their sunglasses indoors. They got to wear their hats at all times. And they got to be like, we need to blow this up. No, you know, like that's their thing. And then, uh, of course, the opposite of the general is uh, this guy, Professor Donald Kessler, who's played by Pierce Brosnan. You know, I really guy, definition of suave. And uh, all of a sudden, he you know steps up and starts kind of sweet talking Jack Nicholson, the president, and it's like, hey, what if? What if the green guys coming from Mars could be this new peaceful chapter for humanity where they a bring us all these gifts? A boon for a mankind. Boon. Exactly. And, uh, you know, the president, Jack Nicholson, you know, Jack Nicholson puts on a huge smile and it's like, yeah, that'll, that'll work. That'll work. And uh, he immediately, you know, hops on to a newscast and gives this huge speech about how the world needs to know that the Martians are going to be arriving. And uh, the next you know, major scene is uh, where we get introduced to two newscasters. Nathalie, which is a wild name. Like, Natalie? No. Nathalie Lake, who's played by Sarah Jessica Parker. Was that her name? Her I actually never knew what her name was throughout that whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nath Nathalie. Nathalie. Yeah, how was oh, pronounced? Yeah. Well, that's the question, right? How do you pronounce <laughs> Natalie? I know at least one person who is named Natalie spelled with the T-H, and it is pronounced Natalie. The H well, is silent. No. <laughs> do you ever feel like maybe we're the aliens when you hear stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> or, or do you ever feel like maybe the aliens have, in fact, already <laughs> already been here? Yeah, shit like that that has caused things to skew just a little bit. Oh, man, don't, don't get me going, guys. <laughs> don't get me going. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, but so, yeah, Na Na Natalie, Natalie uh, and her boyfriend, she has this kind I'm of... pretty cold. sure Pierce says Natalie. Maybe. <laughs> All right, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Maybe. 
But so her boyfriend, Jason Stone, who's also this sort of newscaster, um, is played by Michael J. Fox, you know, which is also kind of a wild casting because every time I see him, you know, I can only think of one thing and one thing only, which is Back Spin to the City. Future. Oh. Okay. Right. Well, uh, Back to the Future. I was kidding. I knew Back to the Future, but I wanted to get a Spin City reference in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I mean every good podcast needs at least one Spin City reference. Right? I don't, I don't know what Spin City is. Um, Mid nineties we'll, sitcom. See? We'll add that to the list. Uh, probably, actually, if it was any any multimedia made in the mid mid to early nineties, I have not seen it, and that's not a. You, just, you were under a rock. What like? <laughs> I was under a rock. I I didn't have any TV or movies or anything. All right. Well, well, here's here's a question. Did you at least like recognize these star actors? Because these are like yeah, yeah. Michael J. Fox. I've seen Back cool. to the Future. Like I've seen Back. I know who Michael J. Fox is. I did not recognize Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, yeah. uh, I was really surprised. Like it wasn't until well, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but Jack Black's character. I did not know yeah. it was Jack Black until he was getting on the bus and the the camera looked at his face from a certain angle. I was like, oh my god, that's Jack Black. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw his name in the like the opening credits, right. and I was like, oh. "Everybody is in this." Jack Black's in this movie, right? Yeah. Um, and then, like, what's going on? There's no Jack Black, and all of a sudden, the camera pans to him. I think in that trailer for the first time, and I was like, "Holy shit! It's young Jack Black!" I, I couldn't believe it. I was I just I was floored by how young he had looked, especially with the buzz cut. You know, just yeah. See. I think that's the only time I've seen him with a buzz cut too. But yeah, I mean, this is like, uh, you know, since you're not familiar with like the 90s movies, this is like, you know, all these, all these A-list actors are at like the peak of their game, you know, Back to the Features come out, Sarah Jessica Parker's in the middle of Sex in the City, Pierce Brosnan's doing, you know, the Bond movies. I can't believe Jack Pierce Brosnan is doing this movie. Nicholson. I cannot believe Pierce Brosnan did this movie. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the beauty of it is that like serious actors... In a, I would argue a serious movie, but obviously it's you know, kind of a comedy. Um, I think Michael J. Fox actually is a great um, reporter. Like he, the, like he's the perfect. You know, some people like fit the role that they're playing. I think he fits that. I think he fit that role pretty well. And I, I, I mean, am I skipping ahead here? Because I'm not going to talk about. Uh, like, are we stick? Are we going blow by blow here, or, or can we skip around? Well, I'll just I'll just keep. We'll try to turn through the plot as quick as possible here. Okay. So uh, basically, you know, Professor Kessler, Pierce Brosnan goes on to uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's new show, and uh, you know, they begin talking about what Martians arriving on Earth means for humanity. And all the while, they're kind of flirting clearly, and Michael J. Fox is the jealous newscaster boyfriend in the background, like. He's flirting with her, you know, and, uh, <laughs> that's, and uh, that's when I first started to realize maybe this movie wasn't serious because he was focused on the fact that, you know, his girl is getting flirted with over the existence of intelligent alien life. Well, but that makes sense, you know, like, you know, I would be losing my mind if aliens invaded, but at the same time, it's like, you wake up the next day after the aliens invade, so I still gotta, you know, <laughs> do my day-to-day stuff, eat my... Eat my uh, cocoa puffs. Have my have my morning walk. You know, I got to do my daily routine still. 
see the, you know, check in with the girlfriend, see, make sure she's not flirting with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> like that's pretty high on the fourth priority list. How old is Pierce? So, how old is Pierce Brosnan now? Is he is like seventies? That's a good question. You think I mean, he's? Do you 90s. think he's? Do you think he still has game? I mean, if you're a Bond guy, I feel like you always have game. <laughs> like you can't be James Bond and not have right, uh, like infinite game, you know. But so uh, after the newscast happens, uh, you know, White House meeting happens again, and they bring in this scientist who has this machine that he claims can translate all of the Martian speech patterns. <laughs> and so they get in these radio waves, they get in these transmissions, they put it through the machine, and it's just this chopped up kind of like blurry mess of English that makes zero sense. It doesn't make any sense. But, you know, Pierce Brosnan's like, wow, what beautiful intellectual words from a race so advanced far beyond our knowledge. You know, classic, you know, over, you know, confident professor. And um, eventually through the uh, scientist computer, um, he finds out that the Martians are going to land near the town of Harump, Nevada. What a place. And so, I had no idea that's what yeah. it was called. Harump place. Well, it makes sense, you know, like, first stop, if you're a Martian invader, like, where are you going to go? Obviously. Nevada. You're going to right? Yeah. 100%. And so, uh, and so, you know, they, they uh, the president, Jack Nicholson, sends out his cooler, calmer, more collected, you know, general, General Casey, played by Paul Winfield, and this huge military escort heads out and, um, you know, a bunch of spectators show up. The newscasters show up. Like, like Burning Man, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's Burning Man. And, like, in the background, there's, like, this hippie lady who, you know, thinks that the Martians have come to save everyone. Okay, and bring well, spoiler peace alert. and tranquility. Spoiler yeah. alert. Burning Man, a little literally. Um, anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah. So I I did not catch what that chick's name was. So I called her throughout my notes. I just referred to her as the sober crystal lady. Yeah, crystal lady is perfect. I think because I don't know her name either. Crystal lady is all I could think of too. So yeah, crystal lady's just overlooking on a cliff and just uh, doing her crystal stuff. <laughs> like, I know. Yes, I I noted. Yes, I noted at this part. That she has the right idea. Don't get too close. Observe from a distance. Well, but I don't. I think she was just trying to do. I know. I know that. I know that. But like so far, she like I said to myself that so far she's the only one making sane decisions. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Like the fact that everyone's just like right up front without even. But it's like those situations where if like General Casey's like you would, it's gonna go. Great, you know, and you're hearing the military guys talking all this stuff, and the, you know, the scientist is there. He has his machine there. Somehow was able to transport his machine very quickly from Washington D.C. to Nevada, <laughs> you know, and yeah. he's there translating and you know being the interpreter. And if you have all that sort of brass there, you'd have some confidence that like yeah, people know what they're doing, right? Maybe in the '90s you do. Yeah, maybe in the 90s. But uh, so, you know, the crowd is there. 
the general rolls out the red carpet. The ship comes out of the sky, this giant silver saucer, and it lands down. These giant claw legs extend. And the sort of ramp from the ship literally rolls out like a tongue and perfectly yeah, lines up with the red carpet. <laughs> and emerging from the ship are these two Martians. One is in like this giant kind of magical red shiny coat uh, or cloak. And, um, you know, they, him and the General Casey walk towards each other, you know, try to talk to each other. And uh, let me give my best Martian uh, <laughs> translation here. <laughs> you know, that's great pretty, Martian. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. It's pretty on, on, on brand, on key. Yeah, well, I, I mean, guys, I've been preparing for the Martian invasion in all my life, you know. <laughs> if you can't speak Martian, you're dead in the water. Uh... But so, uh, you know, they, uh, they, the, the computer scientist guy's like, all right, do, 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 translates the Martian thing. Stupid and translator it, is so funny. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just blast and go, we come in peace, and everyone starts going Yeah, crazy. cheering, and the dove, the dove guy, <laughs> so he, he leads the dove, and like, as like, they come and he released the dove, and I was like, "Props to that guy!" Like seriously, he, he drove out into the desert. He had he the dove, dove with him. With the dove. With the dove. I was like, you know what? Props to that guy. Like I personally wouldn't get that close, but to have the wherewithal to get that close, and then to bring the dove with you, you know, just that kind of optimism in life. I think. Props. Props to that guy for starting an intergalactic <laughs> war. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a lot of sense, though. Like, intergalactic species arrives, and you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to throw some doves at them. You know, like, what do you expect one, to happen? One dove. One, one dove. It was exactly one, one dove. dove. It was one, one dove. One dove too many, though, you know? As soon I, as, like, uh, also, real quick, uh, you know, like, this entire time, it's been flashing back and forth between DC and Pahrump, and also Vegas, <laughs> right? Vegas, yeah. And by the way, Danny yeah. DeVito as the craps player was amazing but anyway I, am i the only one who like with the benefit of having watched this movie in 2021 like that i don't know, even know what his character's name was but i'm am i the only one who saw that gambler in vegas and be like oh, that's joe exotic that's the tiger king himself in this movie i did i had that same thought actually it's him. hundred percent it's him. Yeah. Yeah, well, I feel like those are the type of cats, no pun intended, that, you know, kind of live out in Vegas, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, that's a great point. So, yeah, there's uh, before we get to, uh, you know, the handshake between the Martians and the general and the dove floating in the sky, there's uh, two major secondary plots going on at the same time. There's one that involves this sort of small little family that's out in the Vegas desert, and uh, which has a donut kid. shop somehow. <laughs> somehow, uh, somehow, there's a donut shop out there. Well, yeah, I mean that's like a classic. You know, if you're gonna have an alien invasion movie, you gotta have the donut shop, right? I feel like that's a you know, I don't know. Like donuts I don't think are pretty alien. Me personally, I don't concept. think the economics of that town could support a standalone donut shop. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Just like a bunch of farming people, and they're just like, you know what we really need? A donut shop. <laughs> donut Freaking shop. giant donut shop in the middle of our town. Well, so yeah, so some young kids working it, you know, and he uh, he's trying to take care of his grandma. And uh, he, you know, takes his grandma back home and his whole family gets around to listen to the newscast about the Martian invaders and they're all buzzing with excitement. And uh, the older brother, uh, the more loved son, Jack Black's character, is, you know, working a rifle, quickly putting it together, taking it apart, putting it together. The parents are gleaming with pride. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we get to learn that he's about to join the military right at the time that the Martians are landing and make his parents proud. Um, and so... That's one of the major secondary plots. And the other amazing secondary plots is uh, Jim Brown plays this ex-boxer <laughs> slash, you know, Vegas casino, you know, bodyguard slash floor manager. What, like, what and, is his actual job? You know, I think he's it's dressed, just, he's no, dressed as a pharaoh, right? But he, he yeah. was, a, in the movie, he was a famous boxer, so people recognize him. Oh, so he was like the sort of like the token like a heavy, yeah. Like yeah. he's like a yeah. he former heavyweight champion of the world sort of situation. I, I missed, I missed that bit. He has a yeah. line in this part where, well, go ahead, Peter. I, there's, there's only, there's one line. I, there's only one actual code I wrote down for this movie, and he says it. <laughs> what does he say it now or later on? No, no, he says it in the V when he first comes on the scene. Okay, um, I mean, hit us with it. <laughs> I just found this these two things to be interesting. He said because like. Okay, so he he's a you know, former heavyweight. He's working the casino. Um, the Joe Exotic character comes to him because he wants him to to help him like get some some of his money back, do some like enforcer stuff, which I guess he had done formally or something or whatever. And he he says to the Joe Exotic character, he's like, "I stopped being an enforcer, and I gave up pork." And I was like, "Those two things are the same uh-huh. level." <laughs> like I stopped beating people up for money, and also I stopped eating pork. <laughs> it's, like, it's a big sign. yeah. I mean, you know, new man. Right? He's a new he's man. I'm a new man. No, I'm with it. I like you know. I don't eat pork myself, so I, I know where he's coming from. But it was like I just found that dichotomy to be interesting. It's like I'm trying to get back yes. with. I tried to I'm trying to get back with my wife, he, which in the movie he has a wife and two sons. I'm trying to get back with my wife. Here, right? What, uh, what's that? It's the Pam Greer character, right? Yeah, that's his wife, and they're in DC, believe, right? Yeah, they're they're in so, DC, yeah. in Vegas. So he's like, he's like, I'm trying to get back with my wife, and to do so, I stopped being an enforcer, and I stopped eating pork. So, I don't know, just it was funny to me. Yeah, I mean, just trying to live the the clean, <laughs> the clean Vegas lifestyle, right? <laughs> trying to be a better man. And uh, that's a great point. I mean, that's another character that there's so many of these kind of side characters that are all, you know, on screen throughout the uh, throughout the movie. And so, yeah, there's the Joe Exotic character who's trying to build the uh, a brand new casino called like the Galaxy Casino or something. And he's, you know, hamming it up, obviously kind of a shady businessman. And so, yeah, he's trying to get Jim Brown's character, the ex-boxer, to, you know, do some shady stuff for him. And um, we eventually uh, uh, get to the point where kind of all the characters 
you know, all these side stories, all these side characters are all focused on this one singular moment. That is the general shaking hand with the alien, with the Martian. And the Martian reaches out his hand, grabs onto the general's hand, starts shaking it. And all of a sudden, you know, this dove comes out of nowhere, right? This hippie releases a dove and the Martian sees it and just pulls out his ray gun and immediately blasts it. And, you know, the general kind of looks surprised, like, uh-oh. And then the scene just absolutely turns into chaos. The Martians all pull out their kind of weird zap guns and start just zapping everyone. And, you know, fire's going out. The ray guns are kind of cool, too, because they, like, do, like, this kind of noise and they like shake as they shoot him and it sends out the zigzag green and red lines that vaporize people into like red and green skeletons and uh it's just instantly chaos and what did you guys think at this point when it's like all of a sudden the 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 movie's driving sort of what do you call it um you know force yeah, just the, the the driving conflict of the movie initiates, and it's just, boom, Martians are bad guys. Um, well, I mean, you know, it's not like they buried the lead with the movie title, <laughs> so you kind of knew it was coming. Um, yeah. If there's an exclamation yeah. mark, Mars yeah. attacks. I will say that uh, it was, like, spoiler alert, and I didn't know it at the time. But looking back on it, I, I now recognize that this is the point of the movie where they kind of lost me. Hmm. Um, and I think that largely has to do with the fact that like, it just seemed like everything after that was just a repeating pattern of Martians showing up with ray guns and melting bodies. And it was just like <laughs> that over and over and over and over again. Um, and like, I'd like even the noise of the ray guns became annoying to me. <laughs> um, so like, this is the point at which the movie lost me. However, I will say the fact that like some like hippie dude who's come to see the Martians releases a dove and starts an intergalactic war is just absolutely hilarious. Like I thought that was amazing. Cause when he let that dove go, I was like, I immediately was like, oh, they're going to think this is some kind of weapon or missile or something like this, and everything's going to pop off, right? Yeah. It's exactly what happened. It was so delicious. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great point about the time. I watched this movie with, uh, with my girlfriend on like a date night, and I asked her at this point in the movie, like, were you expecting that? And she looked at me deadpan and was like, yeah, the movie's called Mars Attack. That's what the title kind That's of, tough. That's tough. Me, That's top like, tier. Oh, that's a great point. They kind of give away the main point, you know, plot of the top, top tier uh, movie analysis. It's not, it's not really a plot twist, huh? Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, if for me it was, right? <laughs> you know, for other people who pay attention to the title and the details, I guess it wasn't. I so speaking for myself, the movie at this point had not yet lost me, but that was coming soon. Um, but my reaction to this part was, I was really surprised that we lost Michael J. Fox and Jack Black, and I, maybe Jack Black. I was, I think Jack Black. Jack Black went first, so I was like, okay, maybe Jack Black was wasn't a household name at that point. So okay, maybe it kind of makes sense here. I wasn't sure, 
how big Jack Black was in 1996. Uh, but Michael J. Fox for sure was. And then, and like with it, like I was, that was the first time the movie surprised me was when she's standing up, Sarah Jessica Parker's character standing up and she just has a hand from where. He's got his hand. Yeah. And I was like, what? Well, that, so I like, I mean, we talked about this when it was just us. Um, but not when we were recording. And like, it's worth sort of talking about just like the sheer number of like, celebrities they had in this movie where you can like you can throw away a michael j fox pretty early in the movie it's literally i'm looking at it right now jack nicholson pierce brosnan sarah jessica parker annette benning glenn close danny devito martin short michael j fox tom jones jim brown pam greer jack black and natalie portman i don't understand how all these people agreed to do this movie it's wild. So, like, when you have, I guess, that much star power in a movie, you can throw. What was Michael the budget for this movie? Away pretty early. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe you, you know what? Maybe what they did was they went to Michael J. Fox and said, "Listen, you only need to come in and film for three days. It's like maybe fifteen minutes of total screen time. You can half-ass it. We don't care. Just come in, fill. Then maybe that's how they got everything under budget." The budget was an estimated seventy million dollars. Was that a lot? Ninety-six. I think that was a lot in 97. Okay, and this is what they um, made. <laughs> and it did, a worldwide, it did a worldwide gross of 101. Oh my god, I cannot mm. believe this movie made a profit. That's amazing. <laughs> This is where the movie got sex at me when just the little. Oh, this is the, This is where you got you got in. And they're just fucking start zapping people like. I'm all for that, baby. Like, yeah, when just the chaos erupts and Jack Black just starts screaming, runs in headfirst, tries to shoot one of them. Immediately he does. Gets I think he. I think he gets one at least. He's got a positive. Maybe. He's got a positive KD. Lesson lesson learned here. Hit your heads. Yeah, right? hit your headies. Like, <laughs> you're fighting the Martians. <laughs> hit your headies, boys. So Yeah. So where they lose me is the very next scene where they take so they kidnap Sarah Jessica's Jessica's Park Parker Parker's character. And take her into the spaceship. And I was... I was uh, so, the aliens on the spaceship, all they're dressed in is loincloths. And I was like, they're space creatures. This is their uh, primary mode of, of dress. And in, isn't space cold? Like, I, I was, I was really surprised they that, were naked. That's what was going through my mind. And then you get to the scene where you... They're, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker. And they put her... This is where the movie lost me. They take her head... Oh, off yeah, of her, head. off of her body, and they put it on the dog. She had a chihuahua in the movie. Yeah, they take the chihuahua's head and put it on her body, and I was like, "Bro, what the actual fuck is this going is, on it here?" Was this, it was at this point, I am, uh, I am. Uh, I'm not even ashamed to admit. It is at this point that I will admit the cell phone came out, um, and I began scrolling. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, the, the, I, the, the the aliens, you know, the Martians on their ship, like they're just in their boxers, you know. Just no, like, it's not even boxers. Like, they're like they're like not even like they're like tidy whities or something. I don't know. They're like you know, just Martians being Martians, and they're just hanging out, <laughs> playing practical jokes on each other, just having a fun time. 
But I knew I knew at that point it was going to be a steep decline yeah. in, in viewing pleasure. Was, from, from then on, I mean, we can probably like we can probably skip the next like third of the movie by just saying from then on. <laughs> I mean, I'm, if, I'm I'm not wrong in saying it's just aliens showing up in places and, and, and ray people. gunning people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, you get you get uh, all the different, sorry. you get all the Martians invading the different sort of side plots. So you get the Martians breaking into the White House by using this robot that woman. That was so weird. Kinda, oh yeah, that was super walks, weird. Like she, she like doesn't trying have to seduce she Martin looks. short of all people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, yeah, she, she, she walks. <laughs> You guys can't see it, but uh, G here is definitely trying to do the walk, and it's it's something to see. Oh man, yeah, it's just moving, it's so but, weird. Know, gliding. It's like, what the hell is going on? And uh, doesn't even say any words. She's just chewing gum, and Martin Short's like, "Wow, I need yeah, to I mean, know what this woman's literally to. picking up everything she's putting down. She's not even saying." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, let, me, let me take you into this secret room in the White Yeah, the Kennedy. Maybe. What was it? The Kennedy uh, room? Oh, the secret Kennedy room. The secret yeah, Kennedy room. Sex room, right? Like, that's fucking iconic. The <laughs> sex room at the White House. It's the Kennedy room. Uh, yeah. I'll have you know. Um, yeah. But I thought the most badass thing in the movie was when this this weird uh, when the when the Martian, aka you know, cosplaying as. Uh, adult female person walks into the presidential bedroom and goes to assassinate the president and his wife. The dog starts barking, barking, vaporizes the dog. Glenn, what is Glenn Close's first reaction? She's gonna pick up the dog's skull and chuck it directly at the Martian. And I was like, that is badass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so at this point, were president or not? She's, she's the first lady. Yeah. Is it at this point where those two kids become like the heroes? Right? Is, uh, is, that, is that later? No, no, no. That's oh yeah, yeah. This is this part. <laughs> yes, this is that 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 point. Yeah. So Jim Brown's, um, you know, wife is in D.C. with her two kids, and the two kids early on in the movie are like playing hooky, and they're using they're at like an arcade playing like an alien shooting game where they're just snapping. heads, obviously. Exactly. I, I wrote down because what happens is they they pick up alien guns and start shooting the aliens. I wrote down after seeing that video game skills save lives. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah go. When you're ones. When you're ones. There you go. I, I want to point out though, like about them playing hooky. She says over the phone that her sons haven't been back for like a night or two. I'm like, like was that normal in the '90s? <laughs> that does not happen. I can only speak for myself growing up in the 90s. That was not normal. No, I can't yeah. believe that that was a, like something that was being passed off as normal. I was like, what? The police aren't on the case? Like, the thing, I, I mean, they literally, these two kids literally do like the classic get down Mr. President, <laughs> right? Um, and take out these Martians. Get amazing. <laughs> Mr. President, get down Mr. President. Jack Nicholson's just looking around like, poor oh. <laughs> and the chandelier had just fallen on his right? wife. <laughs> Nat- Natalie Portman like wanders off in confusion to like oh, yeah, somewhere she's, else. She's the most angsty uh, yeah. teen ever. Yeah, the president's she's, daughter. She's, she, there's a, there's a scene. There's a scene she has a little earlier where um, 
the general is yelling, the one with the, sun, the sunglass general is yelling about the fact they should nuke everybody. He walks out of the president's Oval Office just shouting about it, just like very heated. And Natalie Portman opens the door and she's like, can you keep it down? People live here. And then she just shuts the door. <laughs> and the general just, the right general's just like, what? The boss move. <laughs> yeah. Also, wow to think like that's one of Natalie Portman's first roles. Yeah. Mars attacks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she goes from the like the professional. Yeah, to she goes Mars to, to the professional yeah. Mars attacks movie. Yeah. I mean, that's a quality actor uh, right there. <laughs> at least I think she did the professional first. I don't actually know. So okay, I, but, to, um, to move us along, I think the next part is. Because I think one of like it's basically a game of 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 off again on again where the aliens kill a bunch of people and they say oh no oh, we're sorry we didn't mean that let's have a uh you know let's let's have a meeting oh, like a, a, par- a parlay a parlay a truce and then they come in yeah. to the truce and they kill everybody the first the first instance of that is they go to meet Congress and yeah. I'm thinking like. They're walking in, and he walks in, and he walks in with two of his henchmen still with their weapons. I'm like, who's in charge of this secret security detail? Why are they allowed to have their weapons in Congress? <laughs> like, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> All right, so real quick, just to backtrack a second. Um, so Natalie Portman goes from the professional to heat to beautiful girls to Mars Attacks. Yeah. Uh, it's not even and her then, first movie. Does anybody want to take a guess at what she did after Mars Attacks? Don't look it up. After Mars Attacks? Was yeah, it the v? very next thing she did. Was it Star V for Wars. Vendetta? Star Wars. She did Star Wars. Yeah, that makes Episode sense. Episode one. Actually, I guess she was older. I forget how young I guess I forget how young she was when they did Episode One. It's just crazy, like one of these things is not like the other. But anyway. <laughs> Well, I see on your resume. Oh, the professional. Yes, Mars Attacks. Oh, look at all. Uh, that would be one of those movies where if like no one saw it, but you put it on your resume, and you looked, and the person just looked up who all was in it, they'd be like, "Oh, okay, yeah." And you actually watched the movie, and you're like, "What the hell did I just watch?" But Natalie Portman was like, "Hey, listen, man. Jack Nicholson was in this movie. What are you giving me crap for?" Maybe that's how she learned her craft was just by hanging around all these A-listers as they're giving in these Oscar-worthy performances in Mars Attacks. <laughs> Oscar-worthy. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so we, we basically are going from side story to side story where it's just the same cycle of, you know, the, the Martians come into Congress, give like this funny little speech, and then just immediately zap all of Congress. I was um, like... I was like, I mean, getting half of Congress vapors has got to be grounds for impeachment, if nothing else. Yeah. Is. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, um, you know, the other plot lines are going on where the, uh, the small town donut shop working, you know, farm boy is, uh, you know, leaves his family to go try to find his grandma. Um, Jim Brown's ex-boxer character is just kind of, running around the casino trying to escape the Martian attack, um, looking for an escape to get back to Washington, D.C. and his family. Who Who is and, the singer? Because uh, that was the actual singer, right? Who is the singer? Oh, my gosh. It's the guy who sings... Uh, it's not a... To be that one? Oh, it's Tom Jones. Yeah. Tom Jones. Okay, yeah. There so Tom, jo- Tom Jones as Tom Jones in this movie. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, again, like another... <laughs> You know, perfect casting, right? 
<laughs> and so um, we basically finished the movie with sort of, you know, this closing sort of uh, set of scenes where humanity starts to finally fight back. Yes. All right, so it's at this point. All right, this is my general takeaway from this 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 movie because there's a basically from when they started uh, killing everybody. It's just an unending cycle of them. Like they go to France and like kill all the French leadership, and like they're just killing a bunch of people. And it's at this point that I sit back and I think to myself, is this is this Tim Burton's take on War of the Worlds? Like. Is this him doing War of the Worlds? Because the first thing I thought was like, where's the common cold when you need it? And sure enough, not the common cold, but a really old, uh, you know, uh, saw, <laughs> this, I don't even know so, what, 8-track. Is it 8-track? No, it's not 8-track. What is it? So the, the young kid's Vinyl. name is Richie Norris, played Richie. by Lucas Haas. And uh, he goes over to his grandma's place trying to save his grandma. And um, basically what happens is these Martians are right behind the grandma setting up this massive ray gun to zap her. And she's just, you know, clueless. And she puts on her favorite record, which is Slim Whitman's (laughs) Indian Love Call. And as she plays that, it's this sort of like high-pitched yodeling. And as soon as it plays out loud, the Martians hear it. And like their green you know, fleshy, oversized heads start kind of wiggling around and their heads explode. And so instead of the common cold, it's like, you know, Indian love call is the secret <laughs> to defeating the Martian invasion. Right? Yeah, so they, just as we all expected. As we all knew from the start. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, they just play that, and they just kill. They just go around. Everybody goes around with their boomboxes, kill. You know, playing that song over and over again. And, and I think it's important to know here that um, Crystal Crystal Girl, like she, her whole thing to her plan before the whole like Indian, you know, love song was a thing that you know was saving the universe or the world. Um, her her plan was to get in a plane fly to this remote part of Colorado and just live in a canyon. Which, yeah. like, objectively, like, if you're if you're zooming out here and Martians are actually invading, that is 100% the correct move. <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I, I think that's what, like, those doomsday prepper guys, right. that's basically their whole mentality is, like, Martians are coming at any moment. We were, we're ready. We're right. in the middle of nowhere. So it's, like, I chose her as, like, Per, I, like at very early in the movie, I was like, "Oh, this this chick, she's got the right idea," and and she did it. In fact, have the right idea, and she took Tom Jones with her. So, I mean, she's batting a thousand. Well, but wait a minute, we're missing a, a key part. We're missing my favorite moment of the movie, which is right <laughs> before they get on the plane to escape. Right? They they you know run into this massive sort of platoon of Martians out front of the you know, plane hanger. And um, Jim Brown kind of steps up and says, don't worry, I'll distract them. And, you know, some badass music starts playing and he starts (laughs) just jogging out there. He's taking off his fair costume, getting ready to start boxing again. And as he gets over to the, you know, Martian platoon, he starts going like, come on, like, bite me. You know, starts throwing up the hands. And I love how the Martian leader's first response was like, 
you want to dance? Let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> he has his buddies take off his cloak and he starts getting ready to box. And so in the middle of this sort of massive Martian attack, there's just this, you know, boxing fight between ex legendary ex boxer played by Jim Brown. And, well, it, you know, it, Martian it, leader. It's important to know that Jim Brown is six foot something, 200, you know, 80 something pounds. And these Martians are four foot nothing. And he's, he's like, there's a ginormous reach advantage here. On the it's like, why? They, and they all had guns. Like, the entire platoon had guns. Like, I don't... Yeah, but, you know, they're just like, Look, man, this guy wants to box, we'll box. And they also have their glass helmet domes on. And he's just punching the domes, right? Here's, here's the thing about the, the weight difference and the reach advantage. Like, you've seen a zombie movie, right? Like, yeah. numbers. Eventually, you are overcome by numbers. And that, sadly was the fate of uh, poor Jim Brown. Yep, that's yeah. true. Yeah. But he, you know, he, he, he puts up a fight. He's just, you know, punching them in their glass heads, you know, the glass domes. And, <clears throat> until yep. he's overwhelmed and, you know, and last just, we see him, it's like, oh, no. Well, there it's it a, goes. It's not the last, like, because I'm sure people aren't going to actually watch this movie. It's not the last we see him. He does survive yeah, and make yeah. it back to D.C. Yeah. Um, apparently, he just got his lights punched out. He didn't actually get pummeled to death yeah um, which begs the question well you know martians need to hit the weight room huh or they need to get better at detecting when something has been pummeled to death or not yeah yeah okay <laughs> maybe just maybe just one ray gun shot for good measure, yeah, for good measure. Yeah. you, all, you always put one to the head to be sure um all right so that that was the movie let's just let's summarize it what, what we're going to do is this is the podcast we're going to rate these as we as we watch them one out of uh you know however many out of five pogs um so i'll just go around the room peter well uh i think this this rating system for me means was i making the pog face during the movie <laughs> like from a scale of one to five and I'm honestly going to say, like, this was, like, a 4.5 out of 5. Like, I, my face, my jaw was dropped the entire movie. I had such a fun time just making all the little alien noises and zap gun noises. You were making noises. Like, oh, yeah. The entire movie, I'm just making, copying the noises. <laughs> like, I'm just going ham. Like, I had so much fun watching Oh, man. Okay, hold, hold on. We can watch a movie with Peter. Justin, over, <laughs> over, under, number of times Peter has seen this movie, seven. Uh, seven? Yeah. You're saying oh. seven is the, well, let's say seven and a half is okay. the over and under, so I have to pick an actual number. Um, I'm, I'm going to take the under. Really? I would take yeah. the over. So you guys are actually aren't going to believe this, but that's only my second time watching it. Okay. You know, I just, I literally vaguely remembered it from like my childhood. Okay. And I saw it as I was scrolling through, like, going to watch and as soon as i saw it i was like oh i know this is wacky we're watching this and i'm gonna experience this all over again all right so 4.5 uh pogs from peter justin how do you I'd rate it i'm gonna give i'm gonna give it a solid two two um i could probably be talked into 2.5 um maybe I said probably, like maybe, maybe I could be talking to 2.5, but I'm going to give it a solid two pogs. I think it just, you know, for me, while it was hilarious, like the premise was hilarious. All those like A-list actors just in this ridiculous movie was amazing. But man, like 
it just got a little too repetitive for me. And like like you, the scene with the spaceship and the heads detached and on to dogs and Pierce Brosnan taught, like still flirting with Sarah Jessica Parker while his head is not attached to his body. It just like, I didn't land. Two pogs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was at two pogs, I think, before we got to the part where Pierce Brosnan... Uh, was fully detached from himself. And it was really the part where Sarah Jessica's head got detached from the Chihuahua and Pierce Brosnan's head got detached from what his head was hanging from and they landed on the ground facing each other as the spaceship is... Because the spaceship was... The spaceship they were on, it was crashing because everybody had been killed by... All the Martians had been killed by the music. Um, so <laughs> their detached heads are in the bottom of the spaceship rolling around and they're like making out with each other. Detached heads and all. And I'm like, uh, so for that reason, I have to give it a, like, but it was at that point I was like, okay. So I give it a, a 1.5 box. I didn't know if you were going to go up or down. <laughs> no, definitely like, down. I thought, I was like, he's about to give this fucking thing a um, But okay, alright. Because I, like, I didn't know which direction you were going to go. Oh yeah, I, it was just it was just a little too weird for me. I, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't know what to do with this. Alright, so I think, uh, you know, that's interesting. I don't know, do with that what you will, great listeners, but uh, you've got a one and a half, a two, and a, what was it, four and a half, Peter? Four and a half. Yeah, I mean, this was this is uh, it's going to be hard for other movies to compete with Mars Attacks. <laughs> wow! Okay. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. All Jack right. Nicholson is in it twice. Yeah. Okay. No. It's, a, it's all an right. average pog of two and two thirds. By the way. Okay. Oh, you averaged it out. Yeah, it's an average pog of two and two thirds. It's fair. That's. I think that. I think that perfectly captures Mars Attacks. <laughs> Oh man! Wait. So wait. What was Jack Nicholson's second? Uh, oh yeah. What? What was his? I miss? So you know the Joe Exotic Casino guy? Yeah, that wasn't him, was it? That was Jack Nicholson. No, <laughs> <Fucking> way. <laughs> really? That was Nicholson. Yeah. Whoa! I did not. Way. I did not that's notice. That's why I was like. I just was having so much fun. Uh, just... I, I'm almost tempted, tempted to go back and five fogs just because of that, but I'm not going to do it. Um, that's wild. I, I, I'll go to two. I'll go, go to a solid two fogs just, just for that. Just for that. I'm not changing my score, but you, uh, you're you welcome to. I'll give it a solid two fogs. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. That's, uh, that's almost three pogs, 2.8 pogs, an average of 2.8 pogs now. That feels, that feels right. That feels right. All right, so let's let's move it right along, boys. We did it, um, fam. We yeah, did our first movie. Move, first movie. Yeah. Now, now we got to pick another one. <laughs> yeah, and then um, find time in our our copious free time to watch it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, all right, so let's move on to the, let's move it right along here. So yeah. here's the next part. All right, so full disclosure. Uh, how how the, how the three of us know each other is we all play the same video game, Destiny Two. And when I say we play it, like we play it a lot, like yeah. we're, we're not we're we're not comfortable sharing the number of hours we put into this video game. <laughs> it's yeah, it's embarrassing. Uh, but that's how we all know each other. Um, so the 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 Reddit threads we are going to dump upon will primarily probably be centered around Destiny Two, just because it's something we all have an opinion on. Um, and we always we we watch it pretty regularly. Yeah, too, so. exactly. So we're going to um, 
we're going to take this this thread. Um, Justin, I believe you yeah. selected the thread. Would you mind yeah. giving? The... I can I can I can tee it up. Tee it up. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to read the whole post because it's long, but I will read the title, and I will give a little bit of a kind of a synopsis. The title is "If Bungie," and for anybody who doesn't know, um, Bungie is the company that makes Destiny 2. If Bungie is going to move forward with this new dungeon price strategy and continues to double dip with paid content and Eververse, that's the microtransaction store, the absolute least they can do is meet the industry standard and put silver, microtransaction currency, in the battle pass in both free and premium tracks. Their battle pass is so weak sauce. And then it just goes on to complain about the fact that, you know, Bungie has recently told everybody if you want access to this new dungeon that's coming and the one that is coming next year, you're going to have to buy the, you know, extra special who's he, what's it, whatever. Basically, like, you want all the content, you're going to have to pay more than maybe you're used to paying, I think is a fair way to summarize it. And there's a lot of people who are pissed off about that. First of all, I like, look, my opinion on the whole matter is it's a business being Bungie. They are a business. It's their job to make as much money for their business as they can. They have a duty to their shareholders to do that. And if the community at large is willing to pay the extra money for the extra content, they're going to charge the extra money for the extra content. That's going to torque some people up. That's fine. But this is how business works, right? Like that is kind of my opinion. If you guys disagree, feel free to argue with me, but then we'll get into into some comments um well uh the the i think the thing that stood out the most to me out of all the comments regarding that post was uh one guy just randomly got a ton of upvotes from his comment that said the bean counters and the suits the people who really make the decisions which yeah. just really really cracked me up because I, I got thinking to like like in that guy's head, it's like he's thinking of how the company runs, and he's like, "Yeah, the guy making all the decision. He, I'm gonna call him a bean counter." No, and then I thought no. of like Joe Golgoroth just counting beans, and just I just I, I laughing about that. He's just, and he's wearing a suit while he's doing it. Um. Okay. Here's the deal. Um. First of all, yes, that is correct. The bean counters in the suits are the ones making the decisions. Yes, that's kind of how companies work. Sorry. Um, it's a correct analysis. That's the other yeah, part. Yeah, totally, totally correct analysis. Um, <laughs> so, secondly, one of my favorite things to do when I am specifically reading comments on the Destiny subreddit is try to guess how old the person is that made the comment. Because, like, you could usually get pretty close, I, I feel like. That person... No offense to present company or anybody who's listening. That person, in my view, is 23 years old. Like, they're just old enough to have spent a little time working, right? But they're young enough to be dumb enough that they don't understand that, yes, that's how business works, right? Like, yes. What I don't understand is what young person's going around calling, you know, high-level executives. Yeah, they're going down down to the malt shoppy with their friends, uh, uh, you know, later on. Yeah. I need some some beans. I'm a little short of beans. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) There's literally somebody at Bungie right now who is like, hey, listen. We are short on fucking beans. And so you guys need to make some more exotic armor ornaments now. 
We need more beans. Now, I will say, I'm going to argue a little bit with the other, uh, on behalf of the other side here. Um, and this is going to be a little Destiny esoteric for those of you who don't follow the game. I'm sorry. Um, but this new 30th anniversary pack with the new dungeon is going to have Galahorn, and Galahorn's going to probably be cracked, right? Um, so you could make an argument that that's a little bit of pay to win. A little bit. If there's no other way to get it. And, and, and also, by the way, you could say the same thing about like 1,000 voices right now, which you got to have Forsaken to get, right? Like nobody's complaining about that. But So I think my take here is I don't think it's going to be pay the win. and Or even like the only option when it comes to heavy weapons. Um, because we have a lot of weapon parity today in Destiny 2 uh, to the extent that we haven't really had, you know, in, in D1, for example, or, or even like earlier... Uh, in, in Destiny 2. Um, one example I'll give is in D1, in order to do King's Fall, if you're doing LFGs, and at the time I was only doing LFGs because I didn't have a clan, but if you're doing LFGs, in order to do King's Fall, you had to have Touch of Malice. Like, you had to have it. Um, you, they wouldn't let you join if you didn't have it. And the problem is, the only way to get Touch of Malice is to, the, like, one of the steps is to do King's Fall. Like, you have to complete King's Fall in order to get Touch of Malice. And so you're in this catch twenty two where you couldn't get anyone to raid with you because like must have touch of malice, um, unless you were in a clan and, and I wasn't at the time. Um, so I don't think we're ever going to have a situation like that where it's like you're locked out of doing some in game or even just regular content because you don't have Galahorn or because you don't have such a weapon because there is a lot of weapon parity. There are options, you, you know, even when Anarchy, which I think is the most OP power weapon we've had. Even when that was at the top of this game, you still could use other weapons. So I, I don't think it's going to be a pay-to-win situation. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's not pay-to-win, so fucking get over it, right? Like, if you want to play the content, pay for the content, right? The, oh. the thing that really, 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 really just fries my eggs are people who are like, oh, I really want that Eververse ornament, and Bungie won't let me earn it in-game. It has no bearing on how the game plays for you at all, right? Like... If you want it, buy it. If you don't, don't. Nothing about the game is going to change other than when you're emoting, you're going to see it or not see it. Well, and it's just like uh, I, I find the you know dichotomy between saying like, oh, we need to make sure that all the employees are paid and treated right and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, but then like, we don't want to actually any of the content. Right. Yeah. It's like, where, where's the fine line between like, hey, you know, they are actually giving us way well, more content. Well, so, and that's and, like, and, I don't you know, I don't it's just pain. Off, but like, this is the thing that really, really annoys me is like all these people on Reddit who just like, for whatever reason, they think that they understand the inner workings of Bungie and their balance sheet. And they're like, oh, they're making so much money right now. They don't need to be charging for this stuff. It's just going straight into the pockets of the executives and their shareholders. Like, First of all, you've no fucking idea, right? Like yeah, it's likely yeah. they're not actually profitable. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't know, but I'm going to guess they're probably not profitable. Um, and if they are, it's probably not an excessive amount of profitability and what profit they probably are making. I bet you their investors expect them to reinvest in the business to continue to drive revenue up. Right. So like, yeah. just get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the classic case of the, you know, the, uh, the community. It's just like, you know, just assuming all these different things about, you know, how, you know, those organizations function. And it's just, it's just so far from the actual real world reality that, you know, takes place. 
Yep. All right. So we've each read this thread. We've each picked a comment that we want to dump on, right? Like Peter's already kind of done his, um, I think. Um, but maybe there's another one. Uh, I'm going to like, here's mine. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's from a guy who's, I think, largely agreeing with the post, but saying it's the community's fault, right? Like, you know, hey, people are willing to pay it. And so, you know, we kind of you know, lay down with the dogs, you get up with the fleas or whatever. If you're going to pay for the content, expect to have to pay more for more content, whatever. Um, and like my issue is not exactly with that comment, but like some people end up giving him Reddit awards, right? And in particular, someone gives him the, I want to make sure I get this right. Someone gives him the Turnian All-Powerful Award. I had no idea what any of this stuff is. But after looking it up, it turns out that, like, it costs $100 to give someone that award, okay? And so the ensuing comments after that are really just what really gets me. So let me just give you a couple of them. Um, <laughs> the first one is, uh, that face when you get an expensive, exploitative Reddit monetization award for complaining about outrageously exploitative gaming practices. This place is hilarious. First of all, what's like, what is exploitative about some like Reddit's awards? What? Tell me. You can't. I mean, right? it's, 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 it's literally completely optional. Yeah. And, I, and then there's another one. This is, this is probably my favorite. Um, this guy says, also, why not just directly give the guy $100? What a slap in the face to give the website the money. Like, first, first of all, like, none of, none of you have any fucking business telling somebody what to do with their own money. If somebody wants to buy $100 worth of Reddit awards or $1,000 worth of Reddit awards, that person is going to buy $100 worth of Reddit awards or $1,000 worth of Reddit awards. Yeah. It's an unbelievable troll. Don't get me wrong. But right, like this guy who's like, well, I don't just give the guy $100 directly. Like, let's talk for a second about how impractical that would be. So first you got to like DM this guy and be like, hey, listen, this might seem weird, but if you could send me a link to your Venmo, I'd like to send you $100 because I really agree with the thing that you just wrote on this website. Nobody's going to do that, right? Like they made the awards because people want to give the awards whatever so like that's my problem is like this notion that is rampant in the destiny community of people who are like they think that they have the right to tell other people what to do with their money right it's like you know people who are like oh you bought that expansion you bought that ornament or whatever you're part of the problem right like remember when transmog first came out and you could buy silver to transmog more stuff and somebody was like yeah so i bought some extra silver so i could transmog some stuff and all these people were like you're the reason that we have to deal with this eververse thing no he's not right like there are a million other people who are doing it and they're called the not very vocal majority you are the vocal minority that no one cares about so here's my take on this my take is there are more total rewards in the game now than ever before right both both like cosmetic and like actual like you know effect play uh rewards but like in the destiny universe there are more rewards now than ever and so what you have is you have like a, a pretty dramatic increase in percentage of earnable in-game earnable rewards but you also have a fairly dramatic increase in percentage of rewards that you can actually purchase 
through like Eververse for micro for silver for microtransaction actual dollars. Yep. And people want to look at that and be like, well, like Eververse didn't used to have this much stuff in it. This is some bullshit. Eververse is the only thing that gets anything. That's not actually true, right? Like the number of rewards across the game, like across the game is just astronomical compared to where it was two years ago, right? Yeah. Um, and so and just all the different systems that they've implemented yeah. between now and the beginning, like how much that has increased the quality of everything it's like it's kind of like the longer you know it exists and sure the more money that we put into it it still has shown over time that it has gotten much better over time so i i just don't understand uh, i don't know i don't understand reddit yeah right like here, like most of you, like who are out there complaining about this, let me just just go to todayindestiny.com, right? And like, look at the Eververse weekly schedule, and I'll bet you that exotic ornament that you want so bad that's in Eververse for silver right now, towards the end of the season, is going to come around for bright dust. And if it doesn't, I'll bet you sometime next season it will. Well, and they also added a new system uh, that, you know, each season there's all those challenges that allow you to get a bunch of um, free dust. You know, it's like, there's so many different... I've never had had more bright dust. Right? I'm actually extremely bright dust poor at the moment. (laughs) Just bought a bunch of... 40,000. I bought a bunch of stuff. All right. And and I'll I'll even add one more point, which is, you know, it's also just refreshing to be able to just say, you know, um, I am tired over the past two months. I've been busy and I just want to blow like 30 bucks to look cool, you know? Yeah. Like I just want it in the moment. I don't want to have to spend, you know, 20 weeks of my life. For a chance to look. Yeah, because you're like, like, what is the, what's the meme? Like, I'm a dad and I only have 16 seconds a day to play Destiny. And so, therefore, I feel like I should have access. But no, you're totally right, right? Like, if you want to look cool, you should be able to buy your way into it or earn your way into it. See, maybe we'll, yeah, you're, I agree with that. I I don't want to take us down the rabbit hole of, of, of dumping on the dad, dad gamer because I have opinions on that. Maybe we'll do a few, maybe we'll find a future thread to dump on on that subject. So, that's the thing. Like, as we're, as we're talking through this one right now, I realize like, well, this has been cathartic. I think we got to find one where we don't all agree next time. Yeah, I agree with that. We need some arguing to take place. Uh, yeah, but cool. I, that, that's all I had. Did, did you guys have any other uh, comments you wanted to, to go through? No, I mean, I just, just say, the, bean, like, the bean guy stays with me. <laughs> the bean guy stays with me. So, you know, I'll just say, like, look, if you don't like the Eververse, then don't spend money on silver. It's simple. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I would I, I would come at you if it if it was more of a pay-to-win or if it was, like, nothing something other than cosmetics. But it's like... Nothing about your game experience is going to change yeah. if you don't buy that thingy in Eververse. Absolutely nothing. Other than, like, you don't get that sweet and by the way, it is sweet. Um, that sweet ornament for transversive steps mm. 10 weeks earlier than everybody else got it. Mm. Yeah. All right, boys, that was good. So uh, we will have, we have a third segment, which, you know, we may or may not do depending on the week, which is just like, I call it BS corner, where we just talk about something if we want to talk about it. If anybody had something they want to talk about. I feel like we have largely BSed our way through this episode you know that's just me yeah that's fair um 
I mean, I, I, I always have random things going on. Nope. It is Peter. Well, I, so I was driving around today and, uh, you know, I was at a stoplight and I looked up and I saw a bunch of pigeons just sitting on some electric wires. And I thought to myself, that's a wild lifestyle, you know, <laughs> city bird. Like you literally just sit up on the, on the electric wires all day, shitting on cars. <laughs> and then you go like get some free popcorn and that's your every day. It's the, it's the life of a Reddit poster. The <laughs> life of a shit poster. You're just sitting on the wire, just shitting on people as they walk mm-hmm. underneath you. Yeah, that's 100%. Yeah. What a great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle, baby. Full circle. What <laughs> is there any better way to end the first episode? I shouldn't say the first because we're counting uh it's a zero base index system uh episode zero of the, the podcast zero, the zeroth episode it's the zeroth yeah. episode um yeah i can think of no better way to close it so uh thank you whoever listens to this for listening god god, god bless you god, god bless you um definitely my mom will listen to this but other than that nice <laughs> All right, boys. Well, we'll try to be back um, with another one. Until then, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure. Pleasure as always. Good night, gentlemen. Yeah.